Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to this special episode of Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest. As you can see, we are sitting in the ArcCat booth here at the AIA 2022 convention. Brian Miller. Brian Miller is the Vice President of Marketing at ArcCat with over 30 years of experience within the commercial construction industry. Brian has consulted with over 200 building product manufacturers and dozens of the area's better known AEC firms, giving him a unique insight into the marketplace, its complexities, and its opportunities. Brian, welcome to the show. Great. It's great to be here. Love yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. It's feelings of mutual on this side. Uh, so you and I were uh, shooting the breeze a little bit before we started here. And, and one thing I always like to understand about everybody is, before we get into ArcCat specifically, tell us how you got here. You know, What led you to Miami University and then ultimately a marketing career? Well, Miami University is kind of a silly story. I, uh, a movie called Animal House came out about the year before I went to Miami, and mm -hmm. I applied to one school, went to a toga party my senior year at, uh, in high school. A friend of mine's older brother held, and I thought, this is the place for me. Uh, obviously, I had more academic interest than, mm -hmm. than the party interest, but that was fun. It's a beautiful campus. Um, it's, it's the Yale of the West, a historic university. All the buildings are Georgian. It's, uh, it's beautiful architecture, a very nice place. Um, and after Miami, I ended up uh, working for Xerox and um, went through. I never thought I'd be in sales. I was a marketing major, but ended up in sales. But as it turned out, it was great training. And that ended up getting me the job at Suites uh, back pre-internet when Suites was incredibly iconic. It was the go-to resource outside of product binders. Um, that experience led me to meet uh, Rick Janot, who would later found RCAT. He left in 91, I left in 92 to start Constructive Marketing Services, a, a full service building product and sales um, consulting business. I did that for nine years and in 2001, Rick convinced me to join him at RCAT. Um, at the time, the product selection process was moving to print to online mm -hmm. and I couldn't pass it up. And so for 15 years, uh, we had a great time growing the business and eventually turning it into the largest platform of its kind in North America. Um, I left for five years and kind of had some fun with some startups in the industry. Two years ago, I came back, and uh, back in October, I was promoted to VP of Marketing. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a great story. Um, so speaking of stories, uh, I would love to hear more about, maybe you could give us, what is your best consultation story and your worst consultation story? And, and without naming names. <laughs> um, actually, there, there's... a. Uh, there's one that's kind of within the same company, okay. and, and I, I hope they're all retired now and don't okay. hear this. Um, <laughs> but uh, there was a company in Cincinnati, and uh, we ended up winning an award for the campaign we put together. Um, but it was one of those situations where they had too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm. Everything we did on the creative side, we created a trade ad series for them for a new product that they were introducing. And everything that <clears throat> we, we submitted had to be approved by like six or seven people within the company. Now. It didn't bother me that a lot of people were involved because every project we took on, we gathered a lot of insight. Um, I'm a firm believer in talking to the marketplace, the people who actually select the products, sure. talking to the people who sell the products, people who develop the products. 
And in this case, had we not talked to an architectural firm in Cincinnati, Glacier Associates at the time, uh, we may have taken the ad campaign in a different direction. Mm. But initially, and this is the kind of the funny part, uh, when they had submitted their own brainstorming ideas, um, it was a product that uh, was a, a hollow metal door that took on, uh, had a special stain so you could like mimic the wood treatment in the mm. room. Um, it had an embossed finish so it looked like natural grain. And so um, from the company side of it, they wanted to go head-to-head against wood. When, when, we, when we interviewed the, um, the architects, they wanted something. They were more purist. And so if they wanted a wood door, why would they choose a metal door? Um, despite the metal door having advantages in terms of flexibility and door hardware, um, you know, more security, uh, longer lifespan perhaps. Um, so we had to position the product properly. Um, but ultimately, when, or initially, when we got the ideas from the client, um, one idea was like a dog lifting its leg to pee on the product. Okay. <laughs> and I, and I, I remember from some advertising one-on-one class, it's probably not a good idea to pee on your product. In, in, yeah. In the um, there was one shedding its skin. There was one with a beaver with a chipped tooth uh-huh. that was interesting because about a year later when a competitor introduced a similar product, they used that concept. Okay. Um, but ultimately, the positioning was, you know, where the where the function required a steel door, but the look was best with a wood look. Um, that's where that product fit, and it was an incredibly successful campaign. Uh, there used to be a publication, Construction Marketing Today, that uh, gave us an Abbey Award, um, kind of based on Aberdeen Publishing, like an Addy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was my 15 minutes of fame. Uh, and so uh, that was probably one of the, the highlights and, and the fun parts. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I really miss the consulting days. But it, it was like a situation when you're a consultant, you might work with, um, I don't know, five or six companies at a time. And you get active with projects. And then the projects are done. And you got to scramble and find new clients. And um, I, I love the creative process. I love engaging with uh, advertising firms because that's kind of, you know, I'm an artist on the weekends and stuff. And I love the creative side of it. Uh, but when I worked for RCAD, um, instead of like now, instead of working with five or six companies on a regular basis, now I get to engage with over 600 manufacturers and some of the top marketing minds in this industry. Oh, sure. And I've been blessed over 30 years to kind of capture some of that information and share it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so we were all, as we were mentioning too before we started is that you know there's a lot of people that listen to this show that are small business owners a lot of architects um, what what is one marketing mistake that you think that every business seems to make that you see one of my biggest pet peeves is when i see companies or, or individuals winging it um, Meaning they just kind of on their own, like they're not consulting anybody else, yeah, an expert? Or, yeah, okay. we had a, um, a quote on the wall back in my consulting days from Thomas Carlyle, a British historian and philosopher, and it was, nothing is more terrible than activity without insight. Uh, in the building product trade, it's really important to position the product properly. And when you talk to, uh, say, companies' field reps, they know that you not only have to share what's good about the product and, and uh, you know, the benefits of the product, but you have to show its limitations. You have to show situations where perhaps it's not a good application. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you don't, and the architect is oversold, they may put it in a, into a situation that could later um, create a black eye mm. you know, for themselves yeah. or the company. Sure. And so architects have to have a, a much more full understanding, a complete understanding of a given product. And so if somebody's just winging it, and I, I've seen trade shows in the past, uh, there was a fellow 
um, it was a CSI show, a specifier show, and there are all these older fellows with beards outside of his booth, and he was dancing and winging, and and and, and you could just see the frustration on their faces. Um, but in my mind, um, when you talk to an architect, when you talk to a specifier, especially, they are more than willing to share what you need to know to market effectively. Um, Rick Bro, uh, formerly of Centria, he retired some time ago, brilliant guy. He was one of the first people to tell me that architects prefer to be educated versus sold. So if you engage at that level and have that exchange, they're very forthcoming with input and insight. So I guess the mistakes people make is making presumptions. Yeah. Um, the other thing I've seen um, being on both sides of the table is that manufacturers sometimes simply take the word of a salesperson and, and make decisions, sometimes costly decisions, not just in terms of that initial expense, but perhaps lost opportunities because they've gone, they, they've, they've kind of fallen victim to the wow of the presentation. Um, I think it's always a good idea to do your research and, and ask you know, the specification community, for instance, how do they feel about gated content? How do they feel about um, perhaps their names being shared uh, without their permission? Those yeah. kind of things. Yeah, yeah. It's a really that's a really interesting insight into architects. I mean, you, as you know, I'm an architect, and I would. I mean, obviously, I would agree with the with the education part of it. Uh, we just we want to know because we have to engage with the drawings and the details so much. Um, it'll just. I feel like we're give, we, we're kind of giving these manufacturers an opportunity of like all you got to do is teach us yeah. how how it applies and and we'll get it into the drawings i mean ultimately we just want to solve a problem mm-hmm. and so if you're enabling us to solve a problem um you're on the right track there uh when do you, was do you, was there a time period do you think when that changed like 70s 80s like could you actually put like sort of a decade date on when that sort of transition happened or is Tran- it always transition as far as what from just trying to ram a product down somebody's an architect's throat versus hey we'll come in you know there's this lunch and learn we'll come in we'll we'll do a lunch and learn for your team and, and we'll buy a lunch and we'll teach you about our products and how we can help you solve yeah I, I see it more on the digital side um there is a great demand for leads right mm-hmm. and and so that's why i think you see more gated information gated content yeah. on, on a manufacturer's website um to perhaps people that understand digital marketing and maybe not the complexities of the decision-making process, the fact that the architects are recommending products, they, they aren't the purchasers of the product, uh, the product may not be like bought and installed for months, maybe perhaps years later um, by somebody completely different, right? When, a, when an architect comes to a research platform like RCAT, yeah. they're looking to do productive research. Right. Um, when they come to a manufacturer's own website, they may need access to those three-part specifications to look at testing data, to compare apples to apples, to make informed decisions. I, I, I think typically architects um, are those prototypical educational, education-oriented decision makers because yeah. they're not winging it. There's risk involved. Um, and so when that information is gated for the purpose of lead generation, they're actually losing several opportunities because from at least from the architects I've talked to, they'll go elsewhere for that content. Sure, sure. You, you, uh, a word really stuck out to me when you were speaking there, and that was uh, digital marketing, or that mm-hmm. phrase rather. Like, 
how, how does how does someone like you sift through all the options for digital marketing and decide these are the ones I'm going to do? Like, what is the how do you solve that problem? Because I have that problem all the time of like, should we spend our money on thumbtacks? Should we go to Google AdWords? You know, all of these things. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a much different world uh, than 30 years ago, right. and even 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, there was a time early in my career with Sweets that manufacturers had a binder budget. They'd, they'd send their binders out, and they would hope that those binders would be available on the shelves when an architect had a need for their type of product. And then they would have a Sweets budget to supplement that, because Sweets would send out 26,000 know, sets of books that looked like encyclopedias. Um, with the internet, and so your ad budget was relatively limited compared to today. Today, people invest in uh, specification software. They invest uh, not so much in trade shows as, as I think they used to, although this, this show is incredible. I really love what John Crosby's done with the show with Perkins and Will, yeah. Will and, and uh, the, the unique layout and everything. Um, but there's so many different alternatives that while there are more alternatives, say, to a company like Arcad, uh, those ad budgets have increased dramatically. Um, so in terms of making choices between them, um, to me, if I were a manufacturer, I'd reach out to those people that I'm targeting and find what their sources of content are. Uh, podcasts are incredibly unpopular now, right? We launched Detailed this year with yep. Sharice Lakeside. And a friend of mine in Cincinnati told me that there are more podcast subscribers than there are subscribers to Netflix, which kind of blew me away. It's crazy. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and I was talking to somebody earlier at the booth today. Um, I'm naturally curious. Uh, my wife and I watch nature documentaries, and every time I watch another nature documentary, I presume I've seen every silly bird dance there is. Uh -huh. And yet there's another amazing yep. creature, right? Some crazy bug, you know. Um, there's so much content out there. How do you possibly absorb it all? Um, the best thing about podcasts is you can absorb it at your own time, at your own convenience. Yeah, during almost any activity. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I think the pro, you know, podcasts have gotten so prolific, namely because, I mean, you see us set up today and like this isn't more than, a, you know, a thousand dollars worth of equipment. And then we're in and then, you know, we're instantly be able to upload it to one RSS feed and it's there. It's mm -hmm. it's all over the place. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, so th thank you guys for sponsoring the podcast, by the way. Yeah, I mean, we really yeah. appreciate that 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 helped. No, I I, uh, I love the show and um, I, I think it's the place to be. I mean, ultimately, um, it's all about information, right? And you have to inform the buyer. You have to inform the marketplace. Um, one of the things that hasn't really changed since the uh, print days is that architects needed access information um, as soon as they're, you know, the, the, the decision to buy, the, the buying impulse starts long before the manufacturers are aware of it because typically they don't find out about it until the bid stage. I know that's changing to some degree uh, yeah. more recently, um, but sites like ARCAT and other research platforms are invaluable um, in terms of making that information immediately accessible. And so, in terms of a digital plan, I think that's where I would start. Not just because I'm with RCAD, but I think, um, who was it, the, um, the late uh, Dean Horowitz, who uh, with Com Architecture, Comart, um, he said it's one of the top three, it might have even been your show, I can't remember, um, top three considerations for building product manufacturers to be, make sure your information's available in an online catalog so that it's there when somebody needs it. Uh, we've always called that the point of need. Right. Right, 100%. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the economy. 
you know, it's all it's in the headlines. You can't you can't obviously, you know, the economy brings us here. Where, what's your opinion on, on where you think it's headed over the next year to two years? Do you think it's you think we're looking at the so- a soft, a hard recession, a depression? You know, this one is so hard to predict. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, we're we're fighting inflation, but it's based upon a number of things that we hadn't faced before, right? right. It's a different kind of inflation than we had, say, during the Carter years, um, and so perhaps the traditional means of fighting it um, hurt the situation as much as they help it. Things have to be done mm-hmm. to slow things down, to make adjustments, but there's still supply issues, there's still labor issues. Um, I know it's affected our industry quite a bit. Um, there are products that have been specified that, that don't make it on the job site because of supply situations, and, and alternatives have to be used and approved, and, and that sort of thing. Um, my hope, and I, I tend to be optimistic, is that this is kind of a a short recession and we come bouncing out of it um, because of the unusual circumstance that brought us to this point. Right. Um, I think eventually, um, you know, the supply issues will hopefully take care of themselves and the labor issues will, you know, work themselves out as well. Um, I have a son who's been wanting to buy a house and with each passing month as the uh, rates go up and the prices go up. so I might, you know, I, I'm pretty positive. I don't think it's going to be like a, a doomsday scenario, uh-huh. um, but I think it's going to slow down for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, the biggest thing with the housing industry is, that, you know, the lending practices are much more stringent now. The fundamentals are there. You know, I, I don't, you know, it's really unfair, I think, to like think that we're going to compare it to 2008. It's like you said, it's a very mm-hmm. unique set of circumstances um, that, that we're kind of heading up against here for this next one that that seems to be coming and there's there's nothing we can do to stop it yeah so knowing that like do you have any what do you think aec firms should do to prepare like what what would you be your recommendation for almost any business like how do you prepare for something like this like if it seems, seems inevitable even if it's very soft what is what is your best strategies well I, I don't i've never run an architectural firm so i can't say it from a financial or a management perspective all i know is building product marketing um, in 2008, when that happened, yeah. um, Arcat had one of its best years. I personally had one of my best years because it's a very cost-effective means of reaching the architectural community. So many companies will play hide-and-seek uh, when things get bad, and it just makes it worse, right? Because uh, what we do is provide project activity over a long period of time, um, and so you can't just necessarily disappear. Um, budgets are cut. Um you know, uh, uh, sometimes there's layoffs. Um, things have to be tightened up a little bit. Perhaps some of the things that are more on the, say, the outer realm of what one does in terms of advertising uh, may get trimmed a little bit. Uh, but the core activities, the things that are more closely related to the sale itself, like generating project activity, um, those things I think are core and you have to keep. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, one of the biggest mistakes I hear people make all the time is that they think they should. The first thing they should cut is marketing. It's like, how do you how do you even get to the lifeblood of of getting work if you don't market yourself and put yourself oh, yeah. out there? One of, one of my favorite, you know, you you talk to and I and I, don't, I can't. I'm not judging anyone, right? This yeah. is just their mentality. Um, but I've heard this statement. Um, well, come back later when our sales are better. And, you know, and I'm like, well, that's, How do you get that's to what we sales? do, you know. <laughs> um, if, if, you're, if your production breaks down, yeah. you, you find the money to fix it because you need to get the product out the door. Um, you can't just, like, 
it, it, it creates kind of its own downward spiral. Uh, where yeah, sales it's like a snake eating its own tail, sort exactly. of. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Hundred yeah. percent. Um, well, I'm 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 trying to be as optimistic as you are too. Like I hope it's a just kind of a little soft bounce and we out of it. Like you said, the fundamentals. Are, I mean, well, we both kind of agree. You, you know, like your son, he wants to buy a house. Well, then that's demand, and the first thing mm-hmm. we need is demand in order for to make this all happen. Let's move on to Arcat. So sure. For those still listening who still don't know what Arcat does, um, <laughs> and, and, and what, give us your pitch to visit Arcat today. Arcat is the original uh, and most comprehensive building product research platform in North America. Um, we take content from manufacturers' websites, and we don't necessarily reproduce it. We create an index of that content on Arcat. So every product that you find within Arcat, within a manufacturer's profile is what we refer to it, is electronically linked to that content deep within the manufacturer's site. Um, sites like Google, you know, everybody uses Google. Yeah. Uh, you use Google, I use Google. Google is really effective if you know the brand that you're searching for. A site like Arcat is more for architects who perhaps haven't made up their mind on which brand to choose because it's really easy to look up a product, find the manufacturers who make that product. We'll even go to the point like if you're looking for VOC paint, it'll show not only the manufacturers that make the paint, but it'll pull VOC paint up to the top of the product listings. If you want to go to the manufacturer's site, you click on the VOC paint and you're right there. Um, and then once that selection has been made, uh, we have tools like Spec Wizard that take a, a proprietary guide spec and allow one to edit that spec down to whatever that project application is through drop-down menus and mutually exclusive options. Um, spec Wizard's been around for 18 years, and it's amazing. And I think it, part of it's probably because of the emerging architects that perhaps weren't trained well in writing specifications in, sure. in college. Um, I know Holly Jordan's actively looking at curriculums for the architectural schools to kind of help solve that problem. Um, but younger emerging architects have kind of turned to tech to drive or to, to you know solve issues. Yeah. You know, my kids on the weekends work for DoorDash. Everything's an app. Um, we never called Spec Wizard an app, but it's kind of an app for spec writing. Um, and then what we find with Spec Wizard as well is um, the inside salespeople, the um, say the technology directors, those people that assist the field reps, they love it as a productivity tool. And then the field reps themselves who may have all the training in the world on how to properly configure, a, say, a metal roofing system and ask the right questions to, to do the job, they're not trained in writing specs. You know, I was going to take my CDT several years ago, and I remember April 22nd was my test date because I chickened out. I oh. got all the study guides. It was like 200 pages of study. People take courses to do it, and I knew I wasn't prepared. Um, it's a lot to ask all your field reps to be CDT. I recommend it highly because uh, it's a badge of credibility and it yeah. shows you know your stuff. Um, but a, a tool like Spec Wizard can be used to kind of facilitate that spec writing function. Um, GAF is here. I think GAF has been um, probably a client for maybe 30 years. They were one of the first to adapt to Spec Wizard. They private labeled it, they called it their own. Um, but initially at that time, and I don't know if the people here that I think you're talking to today yeah. uh, go back that far, but they had a one-week time frame to get back to an architect with a specification. Wow. And with Spec Wizard, they could turn it around in 20 minutes. Right, right, yeah. So that's what we do. I mean, we're a place to find information, and then once you've found it, it's easy to compare. <clears throat> and then the content that we have on the site 
is written by uh, spec writers who are fellows with CASI. Um, the top, the rate, the, the information is top notch. It's manufacturer's proprietary proprietary guide specs, but it's not overtly proprietary, and so you could still use them. And so, as a, a starting point for, say, a basis of design spec, it has all those advantages to the manufacturer uh, built in. That were, you know, the reason that the architect chose the product in the first place built into that spec. Yeah, and the best part is no registration. No registration. Uh, yeah. That's my. I p- try to pitch that every time. <laughs> They're not trying to get our information. You're just trying to give the information, and that's one of the best things I love about Arcat. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's 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 a big deal, and that's it's why I recommend deal. people talk to folks like you yeah. to to see that. Um, when I went to Skip last year, one of the new things that we're doing with my role as VP of Marketing is I address conferences. Uh, I've, I've talked to uh, the Skip Conference specification consultants in independent practice two years now, and Holly Jordan from Perkins and Will was handing out these no registration buttons. And I asked her about it, and she went on and on, and then you talk to somebody else, and oh, yeah, yeah, because it's a blocked information. And, and beyond that, if one registers for the information, they can be assured that they're going to start getting emails, they're going to start getting unsolicited yeah. phone calls, um, and so it becomes not necessarily a productive tool. If every time I use Google, right, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, this is Big Brother, this is modern age of, of electronic information. Um, I posted a picture of an easel I paint on Saturdays, and I bought this $1,500 easel, Italian easel, beautiful easel. Um, I didn't pay that much. It was like through yeah. world points. Uh, posted a picture on Facebook, and a sh- you know, sh- right afterwards, I start getting ads for uh, easels. Even if you just talk about it. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> you're too late. <laughs> um, you're behind the ball. <laughs> but, but now, um, there's the, with this registration and these gates, um, there's a desire to capture the leads because you think it's it's helpful, right? You want to give your sales rep activity. You want to control the process. But to the point that you're deflecting opportunity and, and deflecting potential project opportunity, um, you're kind of hurting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. We're coming up on the half hour, Brian. This has been uh, a great conversation. And uh, knowing what one question I like to ask every guest is knowing what you know now and if you could go back in time. When you first started your marketing career, what is one piece of advice you'd give your former self? Well, that's a good one. Um, now that we're running out of time. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I've always been curious. And, and um, I can't say that it's advice I'd give my former self because I've never been guilty of this. Yeah. But I think the best marketers are naturally curious. They're, they want to learn. They want to engage. They want to uh, embrace new things. Um, and they're naturally empaths. Um, you have to put yourself in the seat of the buyer. My, my perspective with marketing, it's the science of making buying products easier, uh, either from the buying experience or from how you match things up in terms of the selling process. Um, as a young marketer, I think I had that instinctively. Um, in school, I, I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to be the next James Taylor. I wanted to play basketball. Um, there were a number of things I would have loved to have done. I wanted to be in advertising. I wanted to be an artist. Um, this career has kind of allowed me, well, not, not to be a basketball player other than the intervals, yeah. um, to engage at, at a high level with some really smart and savvy people um, and absorb a lot. And, and so that I've been blessed in that regard. Yeah, fantastic. If people want to learn more about you and ArcCat, where can they find and, and follow ArcCat? Well, ArcCat is short for the Architects Catalog. It's ARCAT.com. My email is Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at ArcCat.com. 
we welcome any insight uh, that we can gather. Um, RCAD is back in its innovation, back to its innovation roots. Uh, we've done a number of new things just in the last six months alone. We're looking at some other things. Um, it's interesting because um, I, I, on the way here, I passed four architects, and all of them came up and said, "What's new at RCAD?" Cool, right? So that's what we're looking for. Um, so do reach out. Um, we'd love to hear your opinions on site registration, um, and and certainly you know what we can do better. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate your time today, Brian. Well, thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah.